Welcome to the podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a weekly service for anyone of any faith that is ultimately about inspiring hope. You can learn more and find more messages like this at mygatewayfellowship.com. Now, our message today that I wanted to share with you is still part of what we're talking about, and that is the importance of sharing your story, that your story will be a blessing to other people, and you just don't know it. Now, last week, I shared a little bit with you of some of my personal story, uh, how I was a little boy um, in the second grade who the state system said would never be able to learn to read. But through the grace of God and nothing else but the grace of God, that God was able to use a praying mother to do a miracle in my life. That I went from being at the bottom of the class to being the only one in my class to have a doctorate degree. And that is nothing but the grace of God. Now, what I want to share with you today is another story. And then I want to invite you next week, you do not want to miss, because Pastor Pete will be sharing his story. And it's going to be just absolutely fantastic. If you have never heard him share how he came to Christ, he was selling. When I first met him, it was right here in this very place. He was a 16-year-old kid who came forward at one of the uh, calls that I had at the school here and gave his heart to God. And But you have to hear his story next week. And I promise you, it is going to be a blessing. So if there's any day that you were going to miss, make sure it's not next week. You should have missed today then, because I would rather you hear next week. But I don't think you're here by accident. And what I want to share with you, can everyone see me? Okay, I want to share with you something very special. I only can tell you this, is that once God inspired me to write my, my story out, I remember turning my manuscript into the publisher, and they're reading my manuscript, and they got halfway through. They were okay with the childhood stuff because they could verify that very easy. They could check to make sure I was telling truth. I was thrown out of elementary school and all that stuff. They could check on that stuff. But when I got to the part about the United States Air Force, when they read just one of the stories, I will never forget the publisher called me and said, brother, we cannot print this stuff. I said, okay. I said, why? We will get sued from the United States Air Force because this is impossible. What you said happened to you. They said, now, you know we're going to investigate this. I said, okay, well, (laughs) I only told you what, what the truth was. And all I can tell you is this is that after they did their investigation and phone calling and all this stuff, that they called me back and said, Brother Johnson, we just want to say we're sorry. Because, every, in fact, you left out stuff. And I said, I told you I was telling you the truth. So this is what I want to share a little bit with you here today. Now, before we get into that, there is a Bible passage that has always been the anchor of my life. Now, let me give you the the history behind the Bible passage before we get into it. But it's Mark chapter 27, as you just seen on the screen. Excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verse 27. And let me give you a little bit of the background. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and then a rich young ruler came to Jesus and said that, I want to be one of your disciples. 
And if you read this story very carefully, Jesus never said no. In fact, in fact, Jesus invited him to become a disciple. In fact, I like to call the guy the 13th disciple because he was definitely called. Read the scripture. But then Jesus told him to do something. He said, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And as the story goes, he was very sad because he did not want to depart from his earthly things. And then Jesus went on to say something that to me is the most positive thing ever said in the Bible. Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And some debate whether it's a physical needle, but those who have been in the Middle East, that was a part of the gate where if your horse could only squeeze through, your camel could only with no weapons or anything, they could squeeze through it. But Jesus said, It'd be easier for a camel to go through an eye of the needle. And then the disciples were very disappointed. Because they said if a rich person who has it all together can't go to heaven, me and my messed up life, I don't have a chance. And then Jesus said the most positive thing ever said, to me at least, in the Bible. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Do you really understand that? That all things are possible with God. He didn't say some things. He didn't say little things. He said all things. But the problem is that when we go through some of those things, as soon as we face that situation, we're ready to quit. Because it is difficult and it seems impossible. But friends, that's when you have to hang in there the most, is when it seems impossible. You have to. Now, I wish I could honestly tell you that every negative situation I faced I hung in there and I tied a knot on the end of the rope and it became positive. No, I'm like many of us here. I face difficulties. I let loose of the whole rope and fall and then blame God. Lord, why am I falling? But the Lord always brings me back to a memory of when he did something for me that was so great that was absolutely unbelievable. Now, I explained to some of you, of, I went to a little private um, high school there in Portland, Oregon, where I was raised at. And my high school was located next door to a huge mall, shopping mall. And the rule was very easy, <laughs> that you're never allowed to go over to the mall during school hours, because kids have been caught stealing and different things over the years. And so you're suspended instantly. And so I looked at that opportunity, exactly that, as an opportunity to make some money. I wasn't a saint in high school, that's all I can tell you. And so, I'll never forget this. Eric, I got a pair of wire cutters. I cut a half hole in the fence. And during lunchtime, I would charge people a dollar to sneak over to the mall during lunch hours. And as you can see, <laughs> as you can see I'm a big boy. And so if I needed extra money, I would get on the other side and charge them another dollar to come back in again. 
And that's how I made my money through high school. It was so bad that once I gave my heart to God and stuff, and 10 years later, I was invited to speak at that school. And I told them that story. And they said, we've been wondering who put that hole in that fence. And it was me, the very speaker up there that day. But it was interesting because I had given my life to Christ just a few weeks before graduation. And, um, um, and that's a whole story within itself. But I will tell you this, is that God really did started to do some changing in my life. He really started changing my attitudes and different things, but he didn't completely change me because I was still charging people to go through the fence. Now, this one particular day, there's a person, I will not mention his last name, but he's a very well-known doctor there in the Portland area. And he was coming through the fence, and I said, all right, Martin, uh, um, um, I need some money now if you want to come through. And he says, Johnson, I gave you all my money to come in. I can't give you any more money. I said, well, brother, I guess you got to walk around through the front door and let the teacher see you. He says, man, we're about to graduate. I can't get in trouble anymore. Please let me. I said, no, bro, you know the rules. Let you in. I got to let everybody in. <laughs> and so I remember I looked. I said, well, Martin, what do you have a value on you? And Martin reached in his pocket. and He had these little coins or tokens for the video arcade games. I said, okay, Martin, I'll take those tokens this time for the games. But the next time you better give me cash. And I let Martin through the fence. Well, you all have to understand, once again, I had to give my heart to God. And, and, and you know, God was working on me. But that very next day, I was over at the mall myself, spending the tokens, just like everybody else. I was having a good time. So then I looked, it was time to leave. And as I was walking back, there was an Air Force recruiting booth. And this guy is standing there, this great big sergeant. He looks at me and says, come over here, son. Are you a senior in high school? And let me tell you all this. Never tell a military recruiter that you're a senior in high school. I said, uh, yes. He says, what do you want to do with your life? Now, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but one thing I knew for sure, I didn't want to go into the military. So I thought I would tell him something I knew they would never let me do. So Pastor Jose, I remember looking at him, and I'm thinking, hey, I'm trying to be a Christian. That's it. I'll tell him I want to be a chaplain. <laughs> they wouldn't dare let me be a chaplain. And so I looked at the guy, and I said, sir, I was thinking of becoming a, a chaplain. He says, I got the perfect job for you then. You can become an assistant to a chaplain. And friends, when he started talking, he started saying, we'll pay you all this money. We'll pay you for your school, all this stuff. I only had five weeks before graduation. I mean, all, all I can tell you is before it was over, I signed my name on the dotted line. And I was so excited. I was going to get all this money, and they were going to pay for my college, all this stuff. I was so excited. Well, I graduated high school five weeks later. I received a phone call from the recruiter. He says, Johnson, I have good news and I have bad news. What do you want to hear first? I said, well, let me hear the good news. Well, the good news is that the United States Air Force still wants you. I said, okay, then what's the bad news? He says, remember we told you you had a year before you had to come in and we would pay for your schooling and all that stuff? Well, the computer moved you up just a little early. I said, what do you mean? Eight months now? I can't go in in eight months. I need a full year. He says, no, no, a little earlier than that. So earlier than eight months? What do you? He says, try next week. I said, next week? You're telling me I have to go back to school and I just got out of school? I'm not going. He says, well, if I have to, I'll send the military police to come get you. You signed your name. 
So the next thing I know, friends, I'm on an airplane headed to San Antonio, Texas in the month of June. (laughs) You see, most smart people in the Air Force, they sign up in the summer and that way they can do their training in the winter. And so I remember thinking on the airplane, it can't be as hot as they're saying. I remember looking at the newspaper. It was 115 degrees that day. And so I'll never think, I never forgot thinking this. I mean, Lord, why are you doing this? I'm trying to be a Christian, a better person. And look at this. So our plane lands in San Antonio, Texas, and they have school buses for us, and all the Air Force recruits are getting on the bus. Then they drive you over to Lackland Air Force Base. And so our bus stops at Lackland Air Force Base. And before we could get out, the bus driver, and I have to be honest, she was the meanest looking lady I've ever seen in my life. She grabbed that microphone and said, fellas, I'm going to give you a word of advice. In a few minutes, you're going to meet a train instructor, T.I. Whatever you do, don't volunteer for anything and try to make sure the fella never knows your name. And I thought that was so strange because as I got on the airplane, the recruiter said, Terry, you're going to meet a T.I. Don't let him know your name. There'll be a 100 people there. And whatever else you do, don't volunteer for anything. And so she's saying this. I'm saying, okay. So we get off the bus. They have us line up in columns of four in front of a door. And the door has a little porthole where you can see a person's face. And they said, as soon as you saw the T.I.'s face, make sure you snap to attention. And so all the fellows are fighting, trying to get in the front row. And I thought, no, 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 I'm going to be smart, Jerry. Instead of going to the front row, I'll go to the very last row, very far right corner. And that way I just stay out of everybody's way. And I remember at the airport, I had a little Gideon Bible they had given out. And so I had my little Bible. And I was just really thinking, Lord, you know what? I'm really going to give this Christian thing a try. And all the other fellows, they're swearing and cursing and all this stuff. And I'm just reading my little Gideon Bible. All of a sudden, we could hear someone approaching the door. We look at the door, and instead of seeing someone's face in that little porthole window, all we could see was the middle of someone's chest. And I will never forget this. One of the guys yelled out, oh, he's probably standing on a box. He's just trying to stare at us. Well, that door swung open, and there stood Tech Sergeant Dan Beck, six foot seven, And over 300 pounds. The guy was a monster. All of a sudden, Sergeant Beck started walking through the middle of the troops. Get out of here. Get out of my way. People are falling over. He goes all the way to the very back row, Johnson. And he looks at me. Gets right in my face. Boy, what's your name? I'm thinking this is unreal. I've been here less than 30 seconds. He's already asked me my name. And so I remember I looked at him. I said, uh, 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 Airman Johnson says, Johnson, I don't like you. I didn't realize the Air Force was so desperate for people. Pick up your bags. You're going home right now. So I picked up my bags. Boy, put those bags back down. I put them down. Pick them up. Put them up. Pick them up. He started doing that so fast, sweat is just pouring off my face. And finally he yells, stop. Then he gets inches within my face, bends over and says, I want you to know for these next six weeks, I'm going to be your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your girlfriend, and your boyfriend. Do you understand me? And friends, I believe him. (laughs) Yes, sir. He said, I still don't like your attitude. You're going home right now. 
I said, sir, it's one in the morning. The bus left hour. I don't care. Get your bags and get out of here. Didn't realize the Air Force was so desperate. So he had me pick up three bags, then had me running in the middle of the street, and he's behind me, one o'clock in the morning, yelling, get on that bus, get on that bus. I'm dropping my bag. And friends, it was a nightmare. It was absolutely a nightmare. And finally he yells, stop. Johnson, get your bags and get over here. You better be, better be glad that that bus didn't stop or you've been going home tonight. So I gather up my bags and picking up them, it was just a nightmare. And so I remember thinking, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Of all the guys here, I'm the only one trying to be a Christian. And look at this. And maybe some of you have found yourself, and maybe not in that crazy of a situation, but in a situation where it seems like you're the only one who's really trying to do what's right. And you can't understand why is the Lord allowing this to happen to me? So I remember I gathered my three things and I went back over with the rest of the guys. And they're just looking at me in shock. They just can't believe what just happened. And Sergeant Beck looked at me. He says, Johnson, I want you to face that brick wall. I want you to count to 100. I'm going to march the rest of the guys up to steps around the corner and you better be on time. And so that's my first military assignment, Tony. I'm facing a brick wall, trying to hold three bags while the rest of the troops went around the corner, which I didn't know where they went. And so I remember I got done counting, and then I turned the corner, and I just opened up the first door, and praise God, it was the right door. And I will never forget this. This was the biggest miracle that happened. I walked up the steps, and Sergeant Beck was getting ready to start screaming, and he looked at his watch, and he looked at it again. I walked into the very second of the hundred count. And I remember he was just shocked. And now if there's anyone here with military experience, you're familiar, Darren and Jimmy, you probably remember this, is what we call, at least in the Air Force, a shakedown. And a shakedown is when you first get in the military, you have to take everything you own and dump it on the bed. And that way they make sure you have no knives or guns or anything illegal. They give you a list of stuff not to bring with you. Now, in my particular unit, there were a 100 of us. 25 beds on one side, 25 on another side, and then you had B section, 25 and 25. Now, Sergeant Beck had already started looking through people's stuff. And when he, he stopped when he saw me, and he told me to go to the very last bed and dump my stuff down. As I'm walking by him, someone has a little crucifix. And Sergeant Beck starts screaming, I better not have any religious people in here. I'll kill you right now. I said, Lord, you're going to have to forgive me. I'm not going to let this guy know I'm trying to be a Christian. <laughs> so I go to my bed. And friends, let me tell you this. If there's any young people here, please, please listen to me. Please do not let your mother pack your bags for you if you go to college or the military. <laughs> I had my mother pack my bags for me. And mother saw that I really was trying to be a Christian and a better person. And so I remember I told her to put my Bible in my back for me. And I wish she was here to tell you the story. But um, when I open up that very first bag, and I'm at the very far bunk, and I start dumping stuff on the bed, my Bible falls out. I'm thinking, oh, good, mom put my Bible in there. But then another Bible falls out. And another Bible falls out. Mother put five Bibles in that bag. 
See, we said, oh, maybe some of the fellows will forget their Bibles and he'll have an extra one to give out. I'm horrified. So I think I'm just going to open up my second bag and cover the Bibles up. I open up my second bag and I started dumping. And mother had these little Christian books called Steps of Christ with Jesus knocking on the United Nations. Five fell out. Ten fell out. Fifteen fell out. Twenty fell out. Mother had put over 30 steps to Christ in that bag with Jesus on the cover. And when I opened up my third bag, I'm killing you. The Lord is just my witness. Mother had put an entire Bible commentary set in that third bag. She said, oh, during this break, he can look up and help people out. If you would have saw my bed, Jackie, you would have thought that I came there to become a missionary. That's all I can tell you is that my, my, my bed is covered with Bibles, with books. It's, I'm just horrified. Sergeant Beck is coming closer. I'm thinking, if he's mad about a crucifix, you know what he's going to do when he sees my bed. So I decided I'd be smart. I would just gather as much Bibles and books as I could, and I would just put them under the bed. And then at night, I would take them and put them in the trash and say, Lord, you're just going to have to forgive me. So I waited till he wasn't looking, and I gathered as many books and Bibles. I put them in my hand, and I'm about to put them under the bed, and all of a sudden I hear, Johnson! What are you hiding down there? I knew you had drugs the first moment I saw you. (laughs) So he comes running at full force, stops in front of me, looks at my hand and sees all these books and Bibles, then looks on the bed and sees books and Bibles. And then he says, oh, no, not another religious nut. And then Sergeant Beck did the strangest thing. He had this little bamboo stick he would always carry with him. He took that stick, tossed it in the air, caught it with both hands, twisted it, and then you could see notches on it. Over a hundred notches. He says, Johnson, this represents the guys that I've gotten rid of the first week of basic training. And you're going to be the next notch. Now, Darren could tell you why they do this. It's easy for the Air Force or any of the military, especially when they're spending so much money in training, is to pick one recruit that they come down on, and then the rest of the guys will be so afraid that they will do whatever the guy says. Because they will say, you remember how you did Johnson? We better straighten up. And I was that person. And all I can tell you, friends, is that everything you can imagine he did to me. I mean, the only thing in the Air Force, at least they can't touch you physically. But it's all psychological games. He would... He would come to me and, and bring 30 shoes for me to sign, shine and be ready by the next morning. And I mean, you could just, I could just tell you story after story. But one thing I can tell you was this, is that God was doing a miracle. Because I can't explain it. And just why I can tell some of you this and that you need to take this story back with you. Because it, it seemed like the more he did to me, the happier I got. I know now that it was nothing but God doing that. And it would make him matter because he would then, he couldn't understand this. I remember this one day where everything came to a close. I had made it all the way to the three week mark. And at the end of the three week mark, they give you what they call a base pass. And if you get a base pass, that means for the first time, you can leave your group and you can use the telephone, call home, and all this stuff. And I will never forget this. We're in the big room, and he's, he made the announcement that everybody has made it to the three-week mark, including me. And then he's looking at the base passes, 
And all the guys are so excited because up until that time, we had to do everything together. So we're excited. Some are going to go to the movies. Some are going to get ice cream. It was just so many things. And so Sergeant Beck says, oh, no. I can't believe this. It seems that administration had made a mistake. We're one pass too short. That means someone's going to have to stay here in the barracks all by themselves. Oh, where's that Johnson at? He's such a Christian. And so, friends, I remember this. Is that everyone had left. And I was there in that big barracks by myself. All by myself. And all of a sudden, I could hear someone coming up the steps. And I knew for sure it was going to be Sergeant Beck saying, Johnson, you can go home. And I'll be honest with y'all, I was ready to go home then. I was saying, they can come and get me, do anything they want to do. I am ready to go. But instead of it being Sergeant Beck, it was my bunkmate. And that's the person who's right next to you. He did the strangest thing. He took his base pass and he sat it in front of Sergeant Beck's door. And then he walked all the way down to the very end where I was. And he said this. Johnson, you're the most positive person I've ever met in my life. And we can't understand this. Sergeant Beck has done everything to get you to quit. And it seems like the more he does you, the happier you get. And so I've decided, Johnson, that if you can't go on your base pass, I'm not going to go. So he sat there. Then all of a sudden we heard someone else come up. And then we heard another. Before it was over with friends, 30 guys had given up their base passes. And they all came and we sat around the bed. And I'll never forget that experience as long as I live. We're reading the Bible and we're reading stuff. We're laughing, having a good time. All of a sudden we could hear Sergeant Beck really coming up the steps. And he's just whistling and he's happy because he knew there was going to be another notch in his little stick there. And when he turned the corner, he saw all those passes on the ground. He looked up and saw me sitting there with all these guys around me reading the Bible, and we're laughing. All of a sudden, he yells out at the top of his lungs, I quit! He goes in his office and slams the door. We're all looking at each other saying, what does it quit? What was he talking about? He stayed there for the whole rest of the night. The next day, I'm walking by. Johnson, get in here! She closed the door, and I shut the door. He says, I know what's going to happen now. You're going to probably get me in trouble. You've got all these witnesses now to all the stuff I've been doing to you. But just tell me this one thing before you get me in trouble. I'll probably even lose a stripe over this. Why are you so happy all the time? And the words that came out of my mouth, Bruno, even shocked me. I said, Jesus is the reason I'm so happy. He said, what'd you say? I said, get out of my office. Threw me out of his office. (laughs) Later on that day, I walked by, get in here, Johnson, shut the door. Tell me something else about Jesus. And I would say something else, get out of my office. This went backwards and forwards. But I will tell you this. I graduated from basic training with my class. My mother had flown down to San Antonio, Texas for my graduation 
We went to church that weekend. My mother sat on my left-hand side there in church. And guess who sat on my right? Sergeant Beck. Instead of getting him in trouble, I invited him to come to church with me. And I will never forget. He says, Johnson, do you realize you could get me to lose a stripe? Instead, you're inviting me to church? He said, I haven't been to church in 13 years when I got married. I said, sir, I just want you to come to church with me. For a few years later, I was in an airport with Ben Carson. Some of you heard me talk about him a little earlier. And I always used to tell Dr. Carson about slick sleeve, and that means a person just got out of the military. And I remember right then, this guy walks over. He has no rank or anything on. And I look at him, and I said, that's a slick sleeve. That means he just got out of basic training. So Dr. Carson says, invite him over here. Come bring him over. So I invite the guy to come over. And I said, I, I said so what, what squadron are you from? He says, Old First. I said, Old First? That's my old squadron. I said, you know Sergeant Beck? He's that great, big, huge guy. And I said, yeah. He says, we love Sergeant Beck. <laughs> I said, you love Sergeant Beck? He says, man, he's the greatest Christian T.I. you'll ever meet. I said, a Christian T.I.? He says, the worst thing he'll call you is a meatball. So the worst word out of his mouth is meatball. Trust me, I believed in conversion after hearing that. (laughs) Well, friends, just a few years ago, I was invited to speak in a little town in Massachusetts. And when I was done speaking, and always sometimes, and Pastor Jose, you know how this is, the church will give you a little gift, a T-shirt or something, or pin set. And so I'm there speaking. And then all of a sudden, the pastor's wife says, well, we have a gift for you but we're going to have to blindfold you first. Now, like a dummy, I let them blindfold me. I'm thinking back now, why in the world would I let them blindfold me? And so I'm blindfolded, and all of a sudden I could hear, Johnson, what are you doing up on that stage? It was Sergeant Beck, who is now a Nazarene pastor there outside of Boston, Massachusetts. In fact, in Texas, this group that we call Pathfinders, they brought us both together just a year and a half ago and had us both kind of share a little bit of that. But I will tell you this. Sergeant Beck always says the same thing, that the reason I became a Christian, he says two parts to it, but the first thing he says is that black guy with the big mouth, that was me. But then he says, that guy could have gotten me in so much trouble. Instead, he invited me to church. I knew there had to be something real. And friends, I often think, what would have happened if I would have tried to take that situation in my own hands? If I would have said, you know what, I'm going to get this guy in trouble. I'm going to gather these people together. We're going to strip the stripe from him. We're going to do this and that. But instead... God saw the bigger picture. God saw that the struggle that I was going through was for a reason, for a purpose. That at the very end, someone's life was going to be changed. 
And there are many of us here in this room, we go through a struggle. And the first thing we want to do is that we want to give up. Then we want to blame people. But I'm here to say today, instead, say, Lord, how can this struggle be used for your glory? Lord, as Pete said a little earlier, I know that you have my back. I know that you're not going to allow me to go through something that I shouldn't go through. And maybe there's someone here today that you're facing a Sergeant Beck in your life. And Sergeant Beck comes in many forms. Maybe he's come in the form of a financial problem. Maybe he's coming in the form of a health problem. Maybe he's come in the form of a, of a spiritual need that you know in your heart that only God can fix. And I'm here to say today that God wants to turn your Sergeant Beck story into a miracle for him. I don't believe you are hearing me today by accident. I believe that Sergeant Beck, as tough as it was for me, and I can tell people that when I went through it, yes, I was not smiling. I was not laughing. But as I look back now, I can see that God was with me all along. He never let me lose. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads if you would. And let me have you stand. I believe that there are some here today that you have a Sergeant Beck in your life, as I've said already earlier. I don't know what it is. But I want to invite you to come forward and let me have a prayer for you. Whatever the Sergeant Beck may represent. Some of you have already come for prayer works, I understand, but this is something different. This is for you. I invite you to come forward and let me pray for you. We want to see some miracles in this place. We often hear the stories in the Bible and we say, well, how? Oh, yeah, God's done that stuff back in Bible. But friends, I'm here to say that God is still doing that stuff today. Right now in 2013, he's still doing miracles. He's still healing. He's still making things happen that seem impossible. And yes, it's easy for us to say that, yeah, with man, it is impossible for a guy to convert his sergeant over to the Lord. That is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.